Some businesses succeed, some don't. Then there are those that seem to have been around forever. The true entrepreneurial success story. How did they do it? What was their vision? What makes a success? In this special episode for Ion Annapolis, we speak with the true success stories. Those business owners that have been around for decades. Learn from their successes and failures. Now, here's host John Fernay. Well, I have not been up this driveway in a long time. I'm here at the Summit School in Edgewater, and I am with the... Are you the... You're not the principal. No, the executive director. The executive director, Dr. Mealy McCarthy. And what is the difference between an executive director and a principal? So an executive... That's probably why I'm not sweating, because I'm not in the principal's <laughs> office. Okay, that's... <laughs> Yeah. Um, so the difference is in this structure, the executive director is the overall um, administrative head for all the operations of the school. Okay. So the Summit School is a day school for grades right. one through eight for bright kids who learn differently. But it also has Summit Resource Center, which is a concern that does testing and tutoring for children in the community um, from many different counties that come to us because we do have a niche for learning disabilities, as well as we do a lot of free talks and we do low-cost symposia and we also have camps, academic camps in the summer, as well as the business end. So the fundraising, um, building our endowment, and and working on the expansion that we're currently having, which is why the driveway looks so right. different to you. So the executive director is kind of like the CEO. Okay. And okay. then there, we have a director of education who essentially is the principal, who is in charge of the day-to-day operations of the school program. And the, edu- the education aspect Correct. of that. That's great. You guys are celebrating a huge year right now. And and it's your 30th year. And I, I know so many people that have come through here, uh, some for actually a short period of time and some for, you know, the, the duration. And it's just a wonderful resource in, you know, Anne Arundel County. And I'm sure the reach is a lot more than just Anne Arundel County because it's, uh, it's, it's such a unique program. Um, what, what is the Summit School? I mean, what, do you, what is your student? So the Summit School is um, a very important place and, and a very outcome-based place for children who struggle with dyslexia and other learning differences. So our kids come to us because they just have not been able to do school in a, in a mainstream, traditional school setting. So they come to us because they have reading difficulties. They come to us because maybe they have math difficulties, writing difficulties, spelling difficulties, organizational difficulties, um, and, and they just can't get the skills they need with the kinds of services that are offered in public school or even offered in some independent schools. Sure. So they come to us because we integrate everything that we do all day long. So all of their reading, their math, their writing, it's it's one program all day long that runs through. And a lot of times children who struggle in this way, it's not just about the reading skills or it's not just about the math skills. It's about their ability to process large quantities of information. Their brain just runs a little slower than everybody else's does. And when it gets filled up with too much information, it goes on shutdown. Um, As well as a lot of our kids struggle with remembering a lot of things at one time. And so we know how to teach rigorous grade level academic content in a way that matches the processing issues that our kids come to us with. 
is what's important to know is our kids are average or better cognitively. So my favorite line is, I will not play chess with most of the children that come to this school because I will be horribly embarrassed. Um, you need to be humbled every now and then. And, you know, humbling <laughs> is a good thing. So, so what people don't understand about children who struggle with reading despite some help and despite good instruction is that they believe that maybe the child isn't capable. All of our kids are capable, and we show that because our kids graduate from our program, go on to traditional high schools, go on to college. And for those who don't go on to college, they're entrepreneurs, they're actors, they're artists, they're photographers. They're successful, and they're successful because while they were here, they understood who they are as learners. They understand what they need to do as learners to be able to understand and learn information. And they understand that it's really okay and they have a lot of talents and a lot to offer the world. Um, and so then they go into the next place, high school, squarely confident about who they are, politely telling their teachers, this is what I need to be successful. And they know that anything they want to do, any choice in the world that anybody else has, our kids have. So I like to say the world is their oyster. They can have the choices that any other child has based upon what they want to do, not because somebody says, well, because you don't read so well, you can only do this. Not so for the kids that leave us. I, you know, I, I agree with that. My son actually had a little bit of an issue and I'm not an alumni parent or anything of, of summer school, but in the public high school, uh, they have an AVID program, which mm -hmm. is sort of how people learn a little bit differently and whatnot. It was just a wonderful program for him. And again, it was one of those, as you said, it's a student can come in and say, this is, this is what I need to succeed. The ability to have that established at a young, younger level is, is critical. And, and, and we all do learn. And, and this is so fortunate because I remember, uh, you know, I'm not going to venture to guess your age because that would be impolite, but I'm 56. And, uh, you know, back when I was younger, I was, um, you know, it, it, what, you know, if somebody was, you know, dyslexic, my sister is dyslexic and, you know, she was, you know, put into a, into a special school and, uh, really never given much ambition, if you will, to do it and to have something like that, that people, and, and it's not, you know, I like to say it's not really a disability or it's just a difference. It is exactly that. Another thing in, in my kids came home with some new math converting, um, mixed numbers. And I was like, oh, well, you take the denominator times the numerator or times the whole number and add the numerator and over the denominator. That's it. It works every time. But there was some crazy concept of how to do it. And I was like, this works every time. And it was just a different way of thinking to get to the same right. end, end result. Right. And I think that's such a really cool thing that, that you guys have. And then you've obviously reached out into the county or not the county, but into the public outside of the school with your camps and with your symposiums. And, uh, and I know that we on I Annapolis have, you know, seen tons of stuff where you have how to learn about your child that is learning how to learn. Exactly. Um, yeah. and, and that's, you know, that's for anybody. That's for anybody to come here and say, hey, you know, maybe, you know, summit school may not be the right school for that person, but it may be able to give a parent or a caregiver or, you know, a relative a, a heads up to say, hey, this is something that we need to look at. And I think that's just an invaluable resource for the... Well, we're so fortunate. We are celebrating our 30th anniversary. So for a school like ours to exist and keep getting stronger every year for 30 years, given that we're not necessarily a school that every child in the universe might need. Um, we feel very committed to giving back to the community. And there are many children who can't come to us, maybe because of distance or maybe because of finances, um, maybe because of logistics. Um, 
So for us to be able to give parents and educators information that we use every day that translates into success for our children is, is really important to us. So we believe that every child has the right to learn, no matter how that opportunity gets to them. So the opportunity might be here at the school, or the opportunity might be because their parent or their teacher came to our sessions or came to our seminars or came to our symposia to learn something. Or it may be that their teachers want to come and just sit and and observe the day and see how we run our school day so that maybe they can do something similar in their schools. We are committed to offering those kinds of opportunities to parents and educators in Anne Arundel County and in other counties. We take kids from nine Maryland counties. We're situated in Edgewater, um, but we do take children. We have kids coming from St. Mary's, an hour and a half. We have children coming from Calvert County. We have kids coming from PG County. We've even have kids coming from D.C. And, and over the Eastern Shore, from Kent Island. That sort of speaks to the program. Exactly, because we offer that program for that child who is not successful for many reasons in their mainstream school, whether it's public or independent. That sort of sounds like a uh, like when you get in your car and you put your GPS on, it gives you like nine different routes to get to the same place. Mm-hmm. And it's just, we just got to figure out the right one that gets us there exactly. the best way for us. Where does summer school start? I mean, how did this all get started 30 years ago. So it started, um, basically, the school opened in 1989, but the, but the workings for the school probably started in 1987. Jane Snyder is our founder, and she had a private practice in Annapolis, and um, she as was a... as a, an educational diagnostician. Okay. And so um, she was seeing that children, there were many children who weren't being served well in the schools, and so she would refer them to a couple of schools in the Baltimore area, and those schools just, they, they ran out of room, they had a waiting list. So uh, she said, you know, they were told, Dr. Snyder, why don't you just start a school? And so in 1989, she started the Summit School because of a need in this area. It's very hard for families to get up to the Baltimore area. So the school originally started um, in Upper Marlboro in a house on 301. And after um, five years, the enrollment grew to the point where the board, we're a nonprofit, so we have a board of directors. The board said it's time to look for a home. Um, And so um, we found the horse farm here in Edgewater, across from Camp Letts, and um, developed it into a school. So we have the house where you're sitting, which is our administrative um, offices. And then we have the barn, which has instructional spaces. And then we built the school building, which houses the main um, larger classrooms. And then in 2002, we finished the student activities building, which is the gym, the music room, and the art room. So you guys have really grown over. We have really grown and really established our roots. Um, not only do we take children from nine Maryland counties and, and D.C., but we have children that come here from different states. People actually move here because they've researched um, and, and learned about the Summit School, learned about the successes that we have, and actually relocate their families so that, that they can come. We even have children coming from different countries. We had a child who came from Hong Kong, a child who came from France. And how, have, how, does that, how does that work, just out of curiosity? Do you find, is there a host family that... No, what they do is they search the internet, they, they read about us, they call, they come, you know, it might, be a, it might be a Skype call, or they may come to the States to visit, and they listen to our admissions director, they see what we have to offer, and they decide based upon what they've researched with other schools that this would be the best school for their child. And then how do they, I mean, what do they, do they put their child with a host family or do they no, move? No, they move. They move here? They, they move. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
they move. So, so we're That's always, impressive. it is impressive. In fact, we had a call from a man who was traveling in Spain, who is from Saudi Arabia, but lives in London. And he's looking for a summer program for his children because he's going to be having the summer in, in Annapolis somewhere. And, um, so we got a call from him and, and his children are going to come to our summer academic camp. And so it, it's amazing the reach that we have. Where does Summit get its name? Is that is that is that the, the summit the to go to the, the peak the mountain and to go rise, to the peak right, to, and, and, to, to okay. rise to your potential the peak of your potential? I, I, I thought it was, but I wasn't yeah. abs- absolutely sure mm-hmm. of that. Yes. So what's what what's the future? I mean, what's your enrollment actually? Too? Our enrollment it's, hovers between a hundred and a hundred and fifteen. And so that's all we can handle at this school. And I love to say that when we have 115 students, the only place we have are the chandeliers left. For okay. Okay. <laughs> and so um, so currently, because of that, we know the need is there. We know that the county, especially Anne Arundel, is increasing and ch- more children are moving into the county. About 10% of all children would be expected to have some kind of academic difficulty in school. Of that 10%, we would say that close to 5% need a school like ours. So we know that there's a demand. We also know that children tend to reach us more in the fifth, sixth grade level than in the first grade level. And here's why. Sometimes um, parents are given advice, well, you can't tell if your child has a reading disability or struggles with reading until third grade. That's not true. Um, Sometimes parents really know that their child is struggling, um, but maybe don't have the means financially or logistically to bring their child here. Or sometimes they're getting help in their public school or their private school um, that looks like it's, it's helping. But by the time a child, not, not all children, but some children, the kids who need us, by the time they get to fourth, fifth grade, and they're still reading way below grade level, or their math is still below grade level, or their written language is really not where it, where it needs to be at all, or their organizational skills just get in the way of them doing school, the parents say, how is my child going to do middle school where the expectations in today's day and age are so great? And then how are they going to do high school? And oh my goodness, how are they going to go to college? Or, or what kind of choices will they have for career? And the, and the term that, that Maryland State Department of Education uses is college and career ready. So parents start to look at their children in fourth and fifth grade. They might not have that college and career ready phrase in their head, sure. but essentially that's what they're doing. So 60% of our children are in sixth, seventh, and eighth grades. So currently we have to cap our classes because of space. And we know that there's a need. Um, and so what we're doing is we're expanding. We're This is our 30th year anniversary, but we know that there's a need for us. And so we're expanding for the school program to accommodate those kids who really need us so that we can launch them into high school and into their college or career with with confidence and success, um, as well as the fact that the need for our testing and tutoring services is growing. So it's grown rapidly over the past three years, but we don't have space. We have one room for our clinicians. We have to figure out and share space. And, and so there's a, there's a lot of plans for increasing capacity for testing and tutoring, for increasing capacity for an after-school drop-in, for supervised homework, um, all of those things that may be children who don't need the summit school, but may need those services to help them be successful at the schools that they currently attend. And then, the, so the drop-in that would be for somebody that may be in public school or Correct. or another another private Correct. school or something like that. Wow. We just don't have the facilities for that. And the other thing we're doing is, you know, we we 
started a sports program in 2006. Since most of our kids are older, you know, these kids need that sports program. Now, not all kids are sports-minded, but for the kids that are, it's a really important piece. And for many kids, that's how they shine, because they feel like they're not competitive academically, but they are soccer stars, or they are basketball stars, or they are cross stars. And I have to tell you, through the years, we have been undefeated several seasons in basketball and lacrosse. Not that I'm competitive, but but the, the bottom line is we don't have a field. So now we're also putting a field in um, that we are willing and, and hopefully be able to share with the community. So we have expansion on the, on our minds. So you're, you're expanding your, your capacity here at this campus. You're, Correct. Is there thought about another campus in another part of the state or the county or the area? No. No, <laughs> we want to do. I saw you rolling your yeah. eyes, going like, "What the hell are you talking about?" My thought bubble was a little nicer than that. <laughs> um, you know, if you want to do something well, you do it well in this place that you are. It's very difficult. Schools that have tried to expand and have other sites. It's very difficult to, to provide the quality that you can provide at one site with dedicated purpose, mission, eyeballs. It, it's very difficult. I find that in many businesses. I know several restaurants that have had a, a hugely successful business, sold out every night, and they felt, oh, my gosh, we're too small. We need to get a bigger place. And they moved to a bigger place, and you can just hear the – it sounds like the bathwater draining out of the tub, and it – it, the business just goes away and they ultimately right. die. Yeah. And that's probably a very, very valid and a very smart growth perspective that you've got. But we also feel that we can help other kids. So when we do this new building for our older children, we're also going to have um, state-of-the-art technology in place so that we can do webinars, so we can do a family and, and educator information through the internet, so that we'll expand our reach even more. We want to expand our reach with our capabilities to do e-tutoring and e-learning, um, so that even though we are here, our footprint is in Edgewater, our reach to help families, educators, and kids is going to be way greater because of the facilities that we're planning for these new buildings. And the experience that you have. Now, I imagine that your curriculum and the way you're teaching that the you know the math teachers and the the English teachers and the history teachers and and I'm, I know I'm screwing up all of the uh, the subjects because they've all changed through the years from when I was little. But they, I mean, it's just got to be a really coordinated effort between all of them, right? It is. So that's a really good point. Um, so all teachers, when we hire teachers, we might hire new teachers and we hire veteran teachers. But all teachers who come into us go through rigorous training, rigorous training about how we teach reading, about how we teach math, about how we teach written language, and about how we help kids manage their stuff, which is called executive function. So the day for the children are, are sculpted in such a way that it, it helps them manage their stuff, but it also teaches them to manage in a way that when eventually they have all of their things together, they've got their papers together, they've got their homework, and when they go to the next place, the schools that take our children say, they're so organized. They know how to do school. They're so respectful. They, they self-advocate for themselves. And, and our teachers go through this training across the board, no matter what grade you're in or what subject you teach, helps them understand. And another big piece that I left out is the, the underpinnings for instruction is oral language. So how do you help kids learn vocabulary so it sticks, learn vocabulary so you can spell it, learn vocabulary so you can use it in your writing, and so that you can have academic conversations about about your subject, subject matter. So we do a lot of things for teachers so they can help children 
get that rigorous academic content that everybody else in their grade in any other school is getting, but provide it to them in a way that's comprehensible. And it's not because they're less intelligent. It's just because of the way they process they, information. They do it a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. As technology, and I, obviously it's been a big boon for any education. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what, what you're teaching. Um, but it's funny you talk about that you're very oral-based and, and everything else. I'm wondering, like, the, the texting is that driving crazy? Like it drives me nuts. Well, <laughs> technology. Is, LOL. Te- te- LOL. Technology is a blessing and a curse. So technology is our friend and is our students' friend. So for us, you know, having smart boards in our classroom makes it so much easier to bring non-print media. Makes it very easier, easy for kids to play games and, and change the content of the games very easily. So those smart boards are really important to us. Um, our sixth graders start with a one-to-one device, and we started this several years ago. Um, so they might have an iPad, they might have a Chromebook. So we teach our children early on how to manage their technology and how to do it with politeness and also how to do it with common sense. Um, So we have a a tech users contract that when a child starts sixth grade before they can start with their device, we have a very strict users, tech users contract that the child and the parent. Here's, Here's the rules. Here are the rules. And and it used to be said years ago before technology, what happens out of school is out of school. Administrators deal with what's in school. But I'm here to tell you, and I'm sure you see it, that social media is the bane of any school's existence because the bullying and, and the, the hard stuff that goes on on social media outside of school comes right into school. Oh, so we doubt. work very closely with children and their parents. We don't shy away from helping kids understand Understand what happened on social media probably is not okay, and it's an opportunity to learn. So we, we take that very seriously. I've always taken the position on social media with what I post personally. I, I use the my grand I call it the grandmother rule. Exactly. I said if grandma would be embarrassed, it doesn't mm-hmm. go up. Exactly. If she would be shocked and and shake her finger at me and warn me and yell at me, I might think about it. Right. And depending on how how passionate I was. Exactly. Yeah. And, and if she would laugh or snicker, and then it's then it's fine, yeah. and, and we move on. And, th- and that's such a hard lesson to learn for for children to find it's out what very, those what those boundaries are. It's opportunities to teach. So some sometimes there's contingencies, especially if they've been told. But but it's always an opportunity to teach because kids don't realize kids do not realize the ramifications of how hurtful and how dangerous and harmful the silly things that happen on social media can be to them personally or the person that it affects. So yeah. it's always an opportunity to teach. I had seen a incredibly powerful FBI speech on it was a uh, you know, child, you know, oh, yeah. thing. and he asked a group of parents said, Hey, who's got a kid that might be online right now? And this was days of AOL chat and Yahoo chat. So it wasn't nearly what we have today. And he was just talking and within minutes, he out of Baltimore office, he was because he knew all the sites to go to and he's tapping away and we can barely see the screens that he's doing. And he comes back, he says, Okay, he says, I just asked you whether you had a kid and what, you know, some real basic questions. And I said, Okay, well, your name is Joan. And your daughter's name is Mary, and you've got a brother named Sam. He gets home from school at three thirty. She's at home alone. Yep. She's number five on the soccer team. Yep. And this, you got a dog named Fluffy, and you work yep. at this school. Yeah. So, what's Quite. to stop a predator from coming in and saying, "Hey, I work with your mother at this school, and I got Fluffy got sick. We got to take her to the vet. Your mom's going to meet us there." Right. Who wouldn't get in? That's right. Uh, and and it's just you know. So when you have the ability to teach the dangers of the internet, as as the, as is the beauty. I mean, you look at what we've got in our hands. 
And certainly, I think for people that learn differently, I think that that's a great asset for them, the different resources that they have available to them. So so for our guys, um, there are some children who are so very deeply dyslexic, who are exceptionally bright, but reading, despite our best efforts, still is hard for them by the time they get to eighth grade and are graduating. So all of our kids know how to access print using technology, and they also know how to generate information using technology. So print to speech and speech to print is an important function of how we work with children so that when they go to the next place, if they're reading because they are so hardwired in terms of their dyslexia, they still can do rigorous activities academic work because they know how to use technology. Yeah. It's it's important. But we also there's, you know, there's things that go along with it that we have to teach. You know, the, the games that kids play, uh, Minecraft and Fortnite and, and, and whatever. I, I mean, my kids are older, so I don't know them all. But but the point is, they play with other people. And we're constantly telling them, how do you know who you're playing with? Don't play with strangers. Sure. If I were a parent today and I, and I have some grandbabies it's who are too young, it's Red Monkey 348. You know, I, I, I struggle with that. And I just hope that, that repeated exposure and repeated teaching, the kids understand, okay, I only can play with kids who I know. It's, it's frightening. It is. It is. But it's our duty to help kids understand that, too. It's not just parents. We work with children as well. Right. If parents are suspecting, I mean, what's if parents are suspecting that their child learns a little bit differently? And again, as you said, there may be reasons that they don't see it, whether they feel it's too young. There may be some denial that jumps in there Mm -hmm. and and the whole nine yards. What's what's their best? What's their best angle? I mean, do they have them to an educational testing consultant? Do they you know make a call to the summit school? Do they talk to a guidance counselor if they're in public schools or so? The, the biggest thing is it, when you have a child who's struggling in school, the biggest thing you want to know is what, why, how, when. It's like if you don't feel well. If you don't feel well and you don't go to a physician, you don't know how to fix it. So you can take an aspirin or you can take a Mucinex, but if you don't get better, you're still with... I don't feel well, right? So it's the same thing with children who struggle in school when you you need to know the reasons why. So going to your school, if you're in a public school, um, or seeking out um, an educational um, diagnostician, whether it's a clinical psychologist or a speech-language pathologist, who can do some work with your child, some diagnostic testing to figure out how is this child learning, what are their skills, and what, what is their processing capabilities, and how can their processing help or hinder their ability to learn, um, that will be the very first step because it's that step that helps you plan out what they need. Maybe they just need some tutoring. Maybe they need intensive tutoring. Maybe they need the summit school. You just don't know until you have the diagnostic data. Now, do you have a, a, a an admission, I guess I'll say a bar, as far as your students that come in? I mean, is there a, uh, you know, do they need to have seen a, a a medical doctor with a diagnosis? And I don't know if that's the right yeah, word. Yeah, it's, or... it's not a medical doctor. So so that's a really good question. So when, when parents come to the summit school to see if, if possibly we could be a good match and if we yeah. could ethically provide the services that we say we provide, um, we ask that, that parents get a psychological educational evaluation, which is a cognitive and an academic evaluation so that we know where the child's academic skills are, but we also know that the child is cognitively um, capable for the rigorous curriculum that we offer. So if, if children, we want children to be successful here. We don't want to be yet another school 
that the child is not successful at. So we're, so, so that is the requirement. And we take a look at the paperwork. And if we think that we can ethically offer the kinds of educational environment for the child, then we'll invite the child to come in and do a shadow day. And then after the shadow day, the admissions team will determine whether or not we can deliver on a promise to the families. And so that's how we go. And so we're, our, our population are children with dyslexia and other learning differences. Um, many of our children also struggle with attention difficulties. Mm-hmm. But the bottom line is they have to be children who have average or better cognitive potential, but who struggle with academics. And if they've got a little attention thrown in there, that's okay too. But we're not a school for children who really struggle behaviorally. It's not how we're trained. It's not how we're staffed. As an expert in, in, in the field, if you could wave this magic wand and expand your campus and your faculty and everything would just proportionately grow, how many students do you figure you would have? I mean, which is, I mean, like, you know, what is, what is the need for this? I mean, obviously you're, you're meeting a need that has been far exceeded by mm-hmm. what you're capable of doing just because you're full mm-hmm. and uh, you're, you're bringing on different aspects and different you know programs to be able to offer little bits of what you do to other people. But I mean, how, how big is the so, need for... So that's really an, a good question. So if I had that statistic at the top tip of my fingers, I could tell you, but if you think about how many school age children are there in grades one through eight in, in Anne Arundel County alone, mm-hmm. then you take 10% of that, because that's what research shows, 10% of those children would be expected to struggle some way in school. And of those 10%, up to half of them might need our school or a quarter of them might need our school. And that's just in Anne Arundel County. Okay, so so t- I don't have a uh, number okay, on so that. For Anne Arundel County, we're talking 1,500 to 3,000 students. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We've, got, we've got about 84,000 students in yeah. public schools. And that's just Anne Arundel County. So right. what about PG County? What about Calvert County? What about St. Mary's County? The neighbor, County? right. We can make Calvert County. What about over the bridge? 20 it, minutes, it, sure. You know, so, I mean, so, so easily we could be a school with 1,000 children. Wow. Easily. That's were were the finances and the logistics and and the information? Sure, out everything there. needs to be yeah. you know equal. I mean, there's obviously different situations for everybody, right? And uh, no school is 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 right for everybody. Exactly, is evidenced by my two older kids that didn't graduate with less than six years of college in three schools. So. <laughs> so that's, you know. But they did it. Y- yes, they did it, y- yes, and that's what counts. You know, I've got two-thirds of them employed, and the, the last third is graduating from American in, there you uh, go. in, in May, so I'm looking forward to my raise. And- <laughs> exactly, almost home free. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, Dr. Joan Mealy McCarthy, the executive director of Summit School, I thank you very much for your time here today. I congratulate you on 30 years and look forward to what comes down the pike. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this special podcast for Ion Annapolis. Please be sure to visit ionanapolis.net for all your local news, events, and opinions. And in case you haven't already, please subscribe to the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief, where we bring you your local news direct to your phone or tablet every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m. Subscribe on iTunes or Google Play.